Do I sound okay? Well, no better than usual, but uh... yeah, let's not complicate <laughs> the question. Oh no, let's complicate. <laughs> but but I think fine. You sound fine. I mean, the reason that that Dean is asking about whether he sounds good or not is is because this is the first time we're doing a totally remote podcast. It's um, it the last time you heard from us. We were sitting in the last several podcasts. We were sitting out under a tree, and um, and being, because of being COVID. attacked by squirrels and creatures all over the place, airplanes yeah. falling out of the sky. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> um, true, all of that is true, and um, and <laughs> so it's a uh, it, it is certainly uh, a pleasure to have to be in the warmth right now since it is actually february um and in and i'm in connecticut um and that is a uh, a cold place to be this february um as we are all in cold areas so this is this is a much better situation for us so, and i'm in and i'm in new york and yep. tour you're in the coldest place of all aren't you i am i'm in maine maine mm. maine Lobster. <laughs> that's that's the only connection one makes with Maine. That's lobster, it. right? It's, well, yeah. What, 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 what about moose? Shall we talk about shall we talk about stereotypes yeah. today? Right? Lobster, moose. Okay, Maine, New York. I'll throw that one out. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go to food. Uh, you know, good pizza, good great food. Um, all over the place. Anything you want, you can get it practically any time of the day or night, even now. So far, food is a, is, is a stereotype that's coming up in both. All right, and Connecticut. Yeah. Well, you can still get good pizza. You can still get lobster. Um, and after that, you're on your own. So but, but we're not here really to uh, to talk just about that. And first of all, we are, I'm Tom Peterson. Who are you? And I'm Dean Foster. Oh Wow, and... I thought I thought he'd stroked out on us, but uh, he's back. Okay, <laughs> and we've got and, to... <laughs> and oh, <laughs> okay, um, and oops, oops. your culture's showing. showing. Whoa, he's a little off there. All right, that's all right. And also, we've got Torin, who's with us uh, today, and he's with us today, too, uh, rem but he's remote, because we're all remote. I've been remote for years and years, I believe. Um, I told you that. I, I know. Often. Um, the, the, um, so today, what, though, we're, we're not going to whine about the cold, because we've already whined about the cold. Um, and what we, what we will be looking well, to one do. One should always have, if it's a white wine, it should be cold. Well, it should be, and if it is cold, then a nice red can be a, a nice warming. Uh, right, but I was choice. saying wine like I know what you were the... saying. Oh man! <laughs> oh. My burden is I know what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably the burden of all the listeners as well. <laughs> they do seem to remark on that, yes, but. Um... <laughs> You know what else they remarked on? I thought it was very interesting. What that is that? After Dean? our 
after our last episode, yes, where we were talking about the Baltics and the Balkans. Yes. Oh, you know, yes. Where the differences, the the common commonality was the balls. The yes, the common denominator was the balls. There you but go. every but the difference depended on the ending, mm -hmm. right? The ands or the ticks. That's right? it. Okay. That, and we spend so much time on that juvenile issue mm. that we never actually got to talk about the cultural things that were important and relevant and, and critical to know, which is why the listeners tune in. They they don't tune in to for, for Baltics and Balkans. They they mm. tune in for the I know they're intelligent and and curious listeners, and and this is what they want. And we and we didn't give it to them. We, wow, you've we, got a lot better opinion of them than I do. I, uh, I <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. The <laughs> well, I th I think we should I think we should jump right into all of that good cultural information about the Balkans and the Baltics that we that we clearly overlooked last time. Well, that's true. We did. And I think we also short shorted one of them. Torin, which one was that? Which was it a tick or the or the cans um that we that we kind of short changed last time. Do you remember? Well I, I think I think there was a lot of room to explore the cans in particular. Yeah, that's what I thought too. We were more on our ticks than our, on our cans last time. And we were heavy on the shrooms, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> That's for sure. Well, uh. the, the shrooms play a role in, in both the Baltics and the Balkans. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Uh, okay. I, I think that, uh, by the way, heavy on the shrooms is, is the way to go. I think that's definitely the way to go. When, whenever available. Whenever that's right. Possible. <laughs> and, you know, I always wanted to, to take a mycology course. To, Did you? To, yeah, you know, one of the things like, before we check out, you know, before the final goodbye. <laughs> it's like, you want to look a back. A bucket and, list. What's, what's in your bucket list, right? Okay. And yep. One of the things I think that was always in my bucket list, if I look down the list, I don't think it's up at the top, but if I look down the list somewhere in there um, to, to understand how to forage mushrooms without killing myself, you know, that like which mushrooms if I were in the forest, would you eat and which ones wouldn't, you know? And I think you can do this if you take a mycology course. I don't think it's- Well, you know, I'm, I'm sure you could. And one of the things we talked about last week is that, that this is very popular in the Baltics, particularly, and, mm -hmm. and that everybody in the Baltics seems to know this stuff. I guess maybe they teach it in school. You know, you take algebra, yeah. you take, you know, English, well, you don't take English, you take <laughs> social studies, what? like, well, take social studies. Well, whatever, whatever. Well, you might of well, some in the, sort. In the past, probably you took, you know, Marxist ideology, but, but, but you also took a course on shrooms. I'm sure of it. If there's somebody listening from Lithuania, Latvia, or Estonia, let us know, please, if when you went to school, if you took a course on shrooms. Thank you very much. I'm going to have to <laughs> try to push us away from here just a little bit. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to try from, to push us away from the dock a little bit. The dock, the dock. The dock. Yes, because in, in going in the direction of culture, because if I'm not mistaken, that's in the name of our show. And, and so I thought that uh, what I would do is just say, it would seem to me that if, if harvesting, harvesting mushrooms is a, is a benefit to the both of the cultures, that probably at the very least, there is a 
a, a built-in educational system from family to family as uh, and generations as they come along about this is good to pick, this is not good to pick, that type of stuff. So see, would would you say that that would be a correct assessment, Mr. Well, Foster? I think there's a lot of organic information that we all learn in our culture that we grew up with. By the time we're four years old, you're speaking the language of our culture. There's a lot of inherent stuff that just develops organically in terms of knowledge that you learn, that you become this cultural being, depending on how you grow up. And all of that is given to us by our parents, by our, by our teachers, by media, uh, by the church. Yeah, sure. And, and maybe, I guess my question is, is understanding the difference about mushrooms part of that organic knowledge that one simply grows up with in the Baltics? Or is that something that is, you know, something you actually have to learn in school? I, I, I don't know. Does grandma teach it to you or do you actually officially learn it somewhere? Or maybe, maybe neither. Maybe I'm making an assumption that, that it exists more ubiquitously than it actually does. I, I don't know, which is why I'm hoping we have a Lithuanian, Latvian, or Estonian listener who can actually tell us. Am, am I mistaken, or are you not the person who's supposed to be on here for the cultural aspects of it? Um. Well, I, I, I am, and, I'm, and I am fairly knowledgeable about this, but I, am, but I am always willing to admit that there's more to learn, and, what, and I don't know how it's taught in that region. I see. All right. All right. Fair enough. And is is there a um, if if the case is that you're you're not clear on that, then did you pick up anything while your time was there that you actually went on the adventure we talked about in the previous uh, episode? Oh, oh, when when I was in the Baltics, um, yeah. no, no, because I was drinking far too much, and I ah, went back to the wine the and et cetera. Yes, okay. <laughs> well, that's fair. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Had I had my wits about me, at some point, I would have. That would have been a question that emerged, and I would have asked it. I'm a fairly curious person, but I never did. You know, I was thinking if if it was normal times, which it clearly is not at this point in the uh, winter of 2021, that um, that you would be able to, perhaps, if you chose, you would be able to, to go back over to the Baltics or the Balkans. And um and and get some education there on it, which might oh, be the I'm best sure. thing to do. I, I, I hope I will. I hope I will. Yes. Um, so are we disinviting any of the listeners who might be of the region to tell us this information? No, absolutely not. We uh we want them to share I, no, their I, I I I think you're I think I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's one in a row. Right there. Let me solve that. <laughs> no, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump off the cliff here and say, if you were about to tell us, please don't. Please don't, because on my next trip to Vilnius, I want to find out myself. Well, I think it would be great if they would tell you where you could get that education. Maybe there's some I'm people sure. out there that have that information. I'm sure at this point they will tell me exactly where to go. Uh, I think they can tell you where to get it. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe that where they'll give it to you. That might be the other thing. But you it's, know, that's that's interesting. That's a cultural is thing. It? Here's, here's, is here's, it a cultural, a cultural thing? thing. Good. <laughs> because I did get that information when I was in the Balkans. And ah. art, you know, I, I have been to the Balkans much more frequently than the Baltics. Um 
I made several trips there, done, done quite a bit of work there. And, and, and so maybe because I was simply more, spent more time there, I did eventually get around to asking that kind of question. But it had nothing to do with mushrooms. It had, again, we're talking about the food being one of the stereotypes of culture. Uh, it had to do with the food in, if I remember correctly, in Bosnia Herzegovina, which is today an independent nation in the mm -hmm. Balkans. Yes. Uh, not, not always was, and who knows about the future. This is a fractured place where nation states come and go depending on the politics of the moment. But right now, Bosnia-Herzegovina is an independent nation. And when I was there, the capital is Sarajevo. And Sarajevo plays an outsized role in 20th century history. Um, and it's kind of a crucible of, of, of Balkan culture and, and, and the many complicated issues in the Balkans. And um, so Sarajevo actually, once somebody once said the 20th century began in Sarajevo and the 20th century end, ended in Sarajevo. And because at the beginning of the in nineteen in nineteen fourteen we had the uh, the assassination of the Archduke, uh, the Habsburg Archduke in Sarajevo, mm -hmm. in and the Bosnia. start of World War One, and mm -hmm. the start of World well it was the the match that started World War One, right? And and at, in the nineteen nineties we had the Balkan Wars, which right. and and the siege of Sarajevo was a was a horrible horrible uh, civil war going on. Mm -hmm. So, and we can talk about some of the reasons for that, but when I was there, um, I, I, talking about the food, I was given a plate of, I, I remember, well, some people called it chevapchi. Uh, if you really loved it, you called it chevapchi. <laughs> I guess that means it's kind of an affectionate way of referring what to it. What was that again? Chevapchi. And I asked about it because these are little sausages and they're not in a, in a casing. They're just handmade, hand-rolled sausages. It can be made with lots of different kinds of spices. And if you order it, you get a big plate. So we, we were sitting outside and in a lovely cafe in Sarajevo and I ordered a plate of chevapchichi. And the way to eat it, one of the traditional ways was to have it with a glass of milk. So now I've got all sorts of problems because, well, typically I don't eat meat anyway, red meat. Yeah. And this is a plate of sausages. You get right. like a, a mound of them. You get like 40 of them on a plate or something. Mm -hmm. And they're delicious, but I don't eat meat. But I'm there and I'm going to do it. And it's a national dish. And then the tradition is also to always have it with a glass of milk. So wait a minute. I don't drink milk. I, even as a kid, I didn't like to drink milk. <laughs> and in my tradition, drinking milk, a glass of milk with, a, with, with meat, just like, eh, eh, I never, did, no, it just doesn't work. It's like dairy and meat. Not that I was raised kosher. I wasn't. But I don't know. I was raised where you, you just, it, I don't like that. So here I am. With a, with the, perhaps with a cult, a kosher influence, though, um, over it, years of, may, yeah, being, of probably, exposure to that. There was, there was influence there. Actually, it isn't a milk. It's, uh, you would look at it and it would look like a glass of milk. But it was really like a glass of yogurt. Mm. Like a glass of thicker, liquidy yogurt. Liquidy yogurt. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Was it lumpy at all? Yeah, I don't remember it being lumpy. I remember it being very smooth. Okay. And and tangy, 
Okay, it's really? Not a, not a sweet yogurt, no. Nothing, they didn't add fruit to it or anything. This is natural stuff. And that was great. But yeah. that with the, with the sausages, I don't know. So I started to ask about, to the person next to me and the waiter, what is this? What, you know, and they started to explain this to me. And um, yeah, sausages are a very big thing in Eastern Europe and Eastern and Central Europe and every country's got its own sausages. And these were the sausages of Bosnia-Herzegovina and the surrounding region. I mean, you have versions of Cevacici in um, Serbia, um, even in Croatia, uh, Macedonia, mm. lots of the different various countries around it. Yeah, so that, you know, I did ask the question then, right? but when it came to shrooms in the Baltics, I, I didn't get to it. Okay. Okay. Well, so... Now tell me, this is you. You made the comment before of um, how this has been a, a fractured area, and that it it probably will have that in its future in some form um, as well. And but what is it about the the Balkans and the Baltics that make them that way? Is there a cultural side that that causes or or at least adds to this? Absolutely. It is the fundamental cause of it. Um, you, what you have is this very good question, Tom. And, and, and Thank this you. Is, this, is, this is the cultural thing. Here's I'm going to leave now, <laughs> then. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm sure depending on where in the Balkans you are from, you're gonna, um, your reaction to everything I'm about to say is probably going to be different. So okay. Like if you, if you were a Croat, and I, you, you might hear what I'm about to say as different from the way you would hear it if you were if you were a Serb, and that's essentially part of the problem that you have got these very very different um, ethnicities, religious backgrounds, and and historical experiences that make all of the different peoples in the in the Balkans historically, politically very very um, uh, very what's the word i'm looking for um difficult to get along with <laughs> <laughs> well put well put sir and they often don't and they often don't and and the simmering hostilities between these groups are um they, they emerge over uh, from time to time based on the, the politics of the moment and i'm so, guessing that those hostilities and feelings go back many many generations oh centuries centuries yeah. we're talking yeah. about centuries you know, an event that happened in 1300 is still today resonating mm -hmm. and people have strong feelings about that. And mm -hmm. if the politics of the moment are, are tipping the feelings in one direction or another, or if there are larger geopolitical forces that are taking sides with one side or another, and historically that's what's happened. Russia mm -hmm. has sided with Serbia. Germany has sided with Croatia. Um, you've got these, the Ottoman Turks would side with the Albanians and the Macedonians. So depending on the, the, what's happening politically in the region, who's got the influence at the moment, you get these different hostilities that get, um, that get supported. And, and so it, it breaks out into, into violent uprisings at times. Mm -hmm. So what you have is you have, for example, um, from a linguistic perspective, just to give you some examples of these differences, mm -hmm. uh, you've got Serbs and you've got Croats. Now they speak essentially the same language and they're neighbors next to each other. 
the language in Croatia is Croatian. The language in Serbia is Serbian. The overall language is Serbo-Croatian or Croat-Serbian. And they're mutually, okay. they mutually understand each other when they speak with each other, but they claim to speak two separate languages. Oh, and, okay. Now, I'm sorry to interrupt, which I'm not, of course, as we've determined many, many times. Um, <laughs> the So we're talking about two separate languages. And right. then is there a third language that like combines the two languages so that yeah, they can speak is, to each it, other? It is, it is essentially the same language. They, they They're basically, they different. have the same language with possibly small exceptions. Yes, yeah. yes, there, there are small words here and there. But okay. they, but if I'm a Serb and I speak to a Croat, they totally understand me. And okay. if I'm a Croat and speak to a Serb, they totally understand me. Mm -hmm. But But they will claim that we're speaking Serbian in Serbia and Croatian in Croatia and that it's different. Sure. And and when they write their languages, they write them in completely different scripts. The Croats write Serbo Croatian in uh, the Western script, and the Serbs write it in, in Cyrillic, the Russian script. Mm. And, and that's really indicative of the influence of these larger powers, these mm -hmm. larger civilizations on this small region, because Croats align with the West traditionally, and Rome, and Germans. And Germany, and um, and and their traditions come from the West. They're on the Adriatic coast, and you have Serbia, which is more interior, more eastern, aligned with Russia and the Russian Empire. Sure. Now that split, that division, also is represented religiously because Croats are mainly Catholic, and Serbs are mainly Eastern Orthodox. If you remember, the the, the Roman Catholic Church split. And the split happened right in this region, mm -hmm. in Constantinople. Right. You had the establishment of the Eastern Church as opposed to the Roman Catholic Church. Absolutely. So you have Eastern Orthodoxy in Serbia and other parts of the, of the Balkans, and then you've got Roman Catholic in other mm -hmm. parts of in other parts of the Balkans. Mm -hmm. And and so all these differences play themselves out. You know, they see themselves as very different people when in fact they're all Slavs for the most part. Except mm -hmm. Romanians and and Greeks, they're not Slavs. There are always exceptions in this region, but for the most part, they're both Slavs. But you know, ethnically, but but they see themselves as very very different. And then the third element to complicate this picture yes. were, the, were the Ottoman Turks, because when the Ottoman Turks came through, they were Muslim, mm -hmm. and they came from Turkey, Istanbul, and then the next stop is the Balkans. Mm. And so. There's a third group here, which are Muslim, Albanians, and many in Kosovo, and many in Bosnia-Herzegovina. Bosnia-Herzegovina is probably the most fractured area because you've got a combination of Croats, you've got a combination of, Albania, of um, you, have, you have Roman Catholic, Muslim, and Eastern Orthodox, mm. all supposedly living in harmony with each other. Or at least course, living with each other. Yes, and of course, every now and then they don't. Right, right, right. And 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 as I would assume, as as in most situations where you've got these, in essence, groups of people who are there, they are searching for their own identities. So they're holding on to certain cultural aspects, which may or may not be benefiting them, and 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 defining themselves from the other groups. 
that they have traditionally realized were not the ones they wanted to be associated with because basically they've been told that over the years. And, and there's political things to gain from doing those things in, in, or feeding that feeling one way or another. There were in the 1300s, there are in the 2000s. Right. Um, so is, is, is that, is that a correct assumption on that or is that? That's, that's right. And whatever's going on in the moment politically in the region, like is are the Russians more influential? Is my local political um, representative representing the Russian, I, the, the Russian story, the Russian narrative of the mm -hmm. moment? Um, or are the, uh, is, is, is the, in the past, uh, the Habsburgs and the Germans more influential, uh, or the or the Americans in, in more recent times, sure, or the Ottomans. I mean, who's got who's got the voice? Whose narrative are we living under at the moment? Uh, because that's who I either have to suck up to and 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 get behind, or maybe fight against. And it's it's it's, mm -hmm. it's been historically a very very difficult place. And and even if you go there today traveling around, you know, speak to the people. Um, lots of folks will talk about this and, and they will and they will talk about it as if this stuff is alive. And I mean, mm. well, it is alive. You know, we checked, I remember checking into the hotel in Sarajevo. Um, so here's the capital of Bosnia-Herzegovina. The city itself is, is fractured into these three groups. I remember checking into the hotel and this is a lovely hotel and it's been modernized for modern modern tourists, modern, modern travelers. And in the walls of our hotel room were these massive bullet holes that mm. was from the fighting that went on in the 1990s. And they left the bullet holes in the walls, I guess as a kind of a tribute to what had happened. Um, and you walk through the streets and you can see these these um, wherever there were shell mortar shells that landed in the streets, um, and this is just walking through downtown Sarajevo, they have painted over these mortar shell ruins with the sign of a rose because the rose was always the symbol of the city of Sarajevo. And so wherever there's this mortar shell hole in the ground in the sidewalk, essentially, or against the side of a building. It's painted with this red rose. I mean, this stuff is alive. Hmm. Yeah, very powerful. Very powerful. Very much so. It's and and it would seem as as we know that Dean and I were are are old enough, barely old enough, but we can remember when portions of this area were uh, consumed by other countries and created into other countries. Um, Yugoslavia being one of them, That's and. Um, and so that you have less uh, area that is um, independent in it making its decisions. And also Soviet Union's uh, uh, influence over them, over countries as well. So you had, um, you had sort of some sort of federal, in essence, a, a, at least an assumed federal control over these things. And I would think and um, that in those times when you have that, that almost feeds this independent fervor within the individuals um, in those different places, simply in the sense of, um, of the idea of it. I, I have to retain our independency, even though we've been swallowed up by this larger entity. 
And um, it would seem to me that would be true. Is it is it something that has has kind of kindled all of this now that they have broken up and become smaller smaller places to live? Yeah, yeah. It's always in the past. It's it's broken up. It's come together. It's broken up. It's come together. Sometimes willingly, sometimes unwillingly, um, because larger powers force to go one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and people people are conflicted about this. You know, for example, in the 19th century, there was this very strong pan-Slavic movement um, to unite all of these Slavic Balkan people into one so that they, they could be a powerful nation mm-hmm. or a powerful state against these larger powers of Germany and Russia and Turkey. Um, and, and that was one of the reasons why Yugoslavia, in fact, was created. But at the same time, after World War One and World War Two, um, these national differences that had to align with, with different groups um, could not stay together, and mm-hmm. and so they came apart for one reason or another. The, the latest example being the disintegration of of Yugoslavia um, at the end of the twentieth century mm-hmm. into these smaller entities. Which will they survive? I mean, they're small and and not and very weak and not very strong and filled with problems, uh, it's hard, mm-hmm. hard to say. If you're a visitor going there, you know, there's lots of, you have to be sensitive to this stuff. I mean, there are no-nos and things you really should be aware of. Um, yeah, what would some what of those say, be? What, you know, if I, if I, when I well, get to the point, if the world ever allows me to go someplace again, um, yeah, and, I, right. and I go and I go over to this area, I'm going to assume that uh, I got to be a little careful about what I do or what I talk about when I'm there. I think so. I, you know, be aware of the fact that that these are very warm and welcoming people uh, for the most part, like all like so many people are one on one individual to individual. Um, but people are sensitive to the outsiders. Um, ignorance of the suffering that has gone on there. Mm. And um, at the very least, be humble, I think, the safest thing to do is to be humble around what you don't know. Um, and, and, to, and to simply ask questions as opposed to stating, stating opinions, right? And, and don't assume who you're talking to. And just because you're in Serbia doesn't mean you're speaking to Serbs. Just because you're in Croatia doesn't mean you're speaking to Croats. And certainly, just because you're in Bosnia Herzegovina, you don't know who you're talking to because it could be, sure. be any of those three. Um, and so, what you say about politics, about current events, about how do you live with your neighbor? Um, do you get along? Well, you're Serbs, so do you get along with, with your Croat neighbor? Hmm. I mean, those kinds of questions are really tricky. Yeah, really? so better to stay out of that if you can. Listen to what they have to say, yeah. like like the advice that you've given for people around the world in many in many situations. It's better to be um, a listener than uh, than a, than a speaker most of the time in those situations. Right. But but even with that, let me ask you if and you may not know this at this point, but if there's a although there's very little you don't know, so uh, very little. Very, very little, but 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 the little, but the little that I, <laughs> the little that I don't know is, is very if, if important. I, <laughs> if if I'm traveling and I have to get someplace and I have to stop and ask someone in some form how I'm going to do that, I don't know. But let's assume I get someone who can speak a little bit of 
of English at least. And, um, and I have a, a guidebook that helps me out with the language a little too. So we're going to talk about this. If, if I, if, and I'm asking, let's say about a, a town out ahead, or even I'm gonna be leaving their area and going into one of the other areas, the pronunciations, things like that. Um, do I, do I, can I call things a certain thing or do I, I, I know there's a, uh, there are areas of the world where one in one space, if you call it, if you say I'm going to this country, they'll, they'll, they'll get angry because they, they don't even think that country exists or mm. um, so there's, there can be problems just with that in a very innocent comment potentially or a question. Is there anything like that that you can think of with the uh, with the Balkans that um, that that maybe yeah. you should be aware of? If you're traveling and you need to go somewhere, I would speak in terms of the city and not the country, mm-hmm. um, because because the country, depending on who you're talking to, may or may not be recognized by the person who you're speaking with. Um, but the city is still the city; it's still the same. So if I were traveling to um, you know through, through Bosnia Herzegovina, for example. Uh, um, there's an area which is it, it sees itself as very independent. It's the Republic of of of, of Ser- Serbskia, but that's because there are a lot of Serbs in this area of Bosnia Herzegovina. Um, if I'm traveling to the capital city of that area, I would talk about how to get to that city and not how to get to the to the Republic of Serbskia because hmm. that's that's a that's an issue that some people say yeah we're an independent nation other people say no we're not we're part of bosnia herzegovina um right you know in 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 macedonia for example which is an independent nation and recognized as such by most of the world um in macedonia which is just north of greece and just south of serbia um you have um this this disputed issue around the name of the country. The, um, if you go there and you call it, the, call it Macedonia, the Greeks in Greece get very upset because mm. historically that meant that you were siding with the idea that this area is Greek, it's Macedonia, which should be part of Greece because the Northern part of Greece is referred to in Greece as Macedonia. So the solution was to recall, the United Nations actually changed the name in the country of Greece to refer to itself as the Republic of Skopje, Skopje being the capital city of Macedonia. Hmm. But in Macedonia, they weren't happy with that because that seemed like um, they they basically were agreeing with the Greeks. And they wanted to call themselves the Republic of Macedonia, but the Greeks didn't want that. So, you know, something as simple as a name becomes this flashpoint for all of these differences. I mean, if I'm traveling to the region, you know, something to be aware of is an interesting thing, I think, for U.S. Americans and Western Europeans is that the traditional nod of the head up and down. When we go up and down, we're nodding our head. That usually means yes. And it's a sign, it's a nonverbal sign of agreement. Yes. And then when you move your head from left to right, that typically means no. But in um, Albania, for example, and, and throughout the region, there's lots of other Albanian populations in Kosovo, um, major, uh, the majority of people are Albanian and other parts of the region. 
if you move your head up and down as if to say yes, that means no. And if mm. you move your head from side to side, which means no for the West, that means yes. Okay. That could be problematic. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, if you're looking for confirmation, yeah. you're going in the right direction. <laughs> <laughs> well, Torin, you had a question, um, I think, about this, about Macedonia, right? Yeah, I remember reading in the news somewhat recently, I believe, that there was a vote to change Macedonia's name to North Macedonia. Is that is that correct, Dean? Am I Yes, you, you are correct. And, and thanks for reminding me about that. To continue the story of the naming problem in Macedonia, um, the, uh, there was a final resolution on this uh, very recently. I think it happened last year. Um, and and uh, it had to do with both sides agreeing to call the country, I believe, North Macedonia. And the Greeks, by the way, as I understand it, uh, from some of my sources were not really happy about this, but they agreed to it because like all things, things get very political. They agreed to it because in exchange for agreeing to it, they, they were then able to get some benefits from, uh, from the European Union that they couldn't get unless they were willing to make this agreement. Huh. So, you know, it became a game of politics. That's sort of the story of uh, humankind, I believe, right it there. Is, of course, yeah. Right. It's now it, it in in the in the Balkan area. When if I, if I'm a visitor now from from wherever I'm coming from, this the is it? I, I realize the answer to this is yes to a degree, but I'm I'm wondering about the importance of it. And that is, if if I should I really put time in, for instance, knowing how to say the names of the cities the way they would be pronounced within the country itself. Is that it's, something that's a good thing to put time into? Look, I think, you know, putting time into getting yourself educated to the, to the complexities of the region is always beneficial. At the very least, it will give you context uh, enough. It gives me context enough to know when I should shut up, you know, <laughs> as opposed to- Wow, I've been looking for that for years. <laughs> <laughs> As opposed to continuing down the road of of of, of madness, you know, um, yeah. So that that's always too late. Yeah. <laughs> too late. <laughs> too late. This is wonderful. This is wonderful. I'm, I'm giving you the long answer to your short sure. question. Eh, it's not new. Go ahead. Do I typically do that? <laughs> oh, but proceed. Yeah, well, I think yeah, I think the safest thing to do, the most important thing to do, my point in all this in this region, is to be humble, ask mm. questions with, with, in a respectful kind of way uh, before you jump in and say things and do things that are just going to, um, you, you don't realize how, how problematic they might be. So be, be very, very humble. And I think that's going to be the most helpful thing that's going to get you on your way. Um, will you make mistakes? Sure, because there's so many sensitivities in this region. Mm -hmm. I mean, for example, as soon as you try to pronounce things the, the correct way or the regionally correct way, there's going to be somebody else three feet away who sees it completely differently. And because even though they're just three feet away, they, their traditions are from the opposite side. Mm -hmm. and they're going to hear you say it the way you think the other person says it. And then they're going to see you as on the side of the other person. Mm. And all of a sudden you're in the middle of this thing that you didn't mean to be in the middle of, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and they're also going to hear you say it as an American. And then that's going to predispose them 
to their ideas about what Americans are like. And, and some will be happy to see you and some won't be happy to see you. Mm-hmm. Because America represents a p- particular position in the Balkans. Okay, well, in and in following your advice over the, the years, I have tried to learn the phrases "I am sorry" and "I am sorry that I don't I don't speak your language well" um, in in the local language, and um, is and so I'm thinking about the the sorry part and what you're saying, and I think that all of course makes sense, but. Is is being sorry? Is being humble in those in that area? Is that it? Is that as much of a of an influential type of thing as it is in some others that we've discussed? Where, you, you, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, you know, I I remember having a conversation with a guy there, and and I, you know, I said I'm sorry. Essentially, we were in Sarajevo, and we're walking down the street, and there is a line in the sidewalk that is that typically represent that represents the division of the city between the German-influenced Habsburg, Viennese, you know, 18th century, they were in charge of the, of the region at the time. Mm-hmm. And right over that line, you, you can literally step over it. You're into the Ottoman Turks and the old city and the influence mm-hmm. of the Turks and the, and the Muslims. And that dividing line, you know, really kind of said it all right there. And and I remember having a conversation with this guy about it. And I said something like, I'm sorry, I don't really understand the, the, all the history. But... And he said, why are you sorry? Why are you apologizing? Hmm. Said, you don't need to apologize. And he, he said, you're, you're not from this area. This didn't affect you um, directly, even though it was the source of World, <laughs> world War I. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> yes, a little bit, yeah. Right? And... I don't think he was offended by my apology, but I also think that he found it naive. And Mm. it reinforced for me the fact that just by apologizing for not knowing was a kind of statement of privilege and that he didn't... Mm care for it very much because it represented my my privilege of not even having to have to know anything about what's happened here yeah and that i think was offensive to him as it should have been i think the solution one of the solutions is have as much sliver of it as possible to drink (laughs) <laughs> because, because which is a good solution anyway a very good solution up to a point then it becomes <laughs> problematic again <laughs> just the right amount yes that's so, true i should i should um i, I should clarify that slivovitz is a very clear potent liquor that's drunk throughout the region it's it's basically a, a an eau de vie a kind of dry brandy uh, that's made from plums from the local plums mm. that grow throughout the region and so it's like a plum brandy, but it's not sweet, uh, like a plum vodka almost. And mm. uh, it's everybody's ever said them. And, and, and so, yeah, drink the beer, um, go out for toasts, go out for drinks. Uh, you'll always be invited to. And that does make these kinds of discussions a lot easier. 
Yes, <laughs> which I think you're right. Up to a point, it does. Yes, and yeah. then and then you got to be careful how how then easy be... it becomes. Yes, <laughs> right. So there's the Slivervitz, and there's also the um, the Rockia. Um, that's another version of a local. I liquor. saw that movie. Rockia. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. That was the guy, that was the guy who did the. No, you're talking about. Oh man. <laughs> Welcome back. We... Oh, that was all. That was all inside my head. I'm sorry. Uh, I was say, it wasn't, but that's just for a point for you to know. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I had to. I had to go there. It was a stupid joke, and and therefore I needed to say it. Now, uh, go Rock, right ahead, Rocky. Yeah, Ro Rocky is like this um, um, licorice tasting liquor. Mm. Uh, in, in Turkey, in Turkey, they call it Iraq, um, but mm -hmm. it's. Um, rock, I think it's known as Rakia in the Balkans. Um, really potent stuff. I mean, if you have a plate of chevapchichi and your yogurt drink, mm. Rakia, ah, you know, you're I set. You're, you're, mm. you're good. So let me ask you now, just to to make this thing come full circle, as as we're want to do, um, <laughs> or pray we're going to get there somehow. If it, um, if it ends up in the shape of a circle, we're lucky. You're very lucky. O oftentimes, it's a, it's a rhombus. Or, or, a, or amoeba-like, perhaps. A, uh, yes. a trapezoidal amoeba. It's <laughs> like a coronavirus. Or trapezoidal amoeba. I think that was the name of a band I had in college. Uh, it was a 60s college. group. It yeah. was a 60s group. Oh, was it? Yes. <laughs> um, listen. Uh, so anyway, bringing it back together, as is, I guess, my role in this in this craziness. Um it, it, when when you were we we last left you ruminating over the um, the either liquid yogurt or uh, thick uh, milk oh, yes. and the sausage, and um, so I'm wondering if if the if the rakia got you to uh, or something like that uh, got you to go ahead and and consume this stuff, or if you just went ahead and did it, yeah. or you I didn't would, do it. I I, if I remember correctly, and I may not be remembering correctly, depending on how much Rocky I had, <laughs> but if I remember correctly, I went ahead and did it because I'm you're pretty adventurous with food, and I'll do it anyway. Uh -huh. You know, uh, yes, I'll you are. Try any, I'll, I'll try anything once. Um, so I think I, but I remember it was hard. I, 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 I enjoyed the chip of chichi. I liked the yogurt drink, you know, uh, but putting them together, oh, man. <laughs> but the rocky helped it helped so you did so it there was a little bit of a, an assist on the part of the rocky then okay yeah, yeah well that's yeah, fair yeah. i think that's fair yeah. and appropriate and now I, I, you know a safer food to eat if you if this is an issue for you is, is the burek the burek are like these little um little savory pies little pasties mm. they're filled with they could be filled with meat they could be filled with veggies so you're going to get a veggie borek if that's what you want. You know, this is sounding very good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they're really tasty and they're they're spiced. So you know, grandma down the street makes hers one way, and then another somebody else makes hers a different way, and they're tasty. You give you a whole plate full. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. So you try very the borek nice. too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's yeah. Definitely. All right. Well, we should do these with with all this stuff in front of us, so that we're eating and. So we're consuming it. Yeah. Well, I'm on board with that, except we can't even get us in front of us right now. <laughs> Fair. 
<laughs> Although I will say this, and and this is very um, topical, but also it, it's going, it really dates what we're doing right now um, for anyone listening in the future. Ooh. Ooh. Um, it, it It's that I have received, and I believe you have too, our, our first vaccination shot. For, you got your word. For, for COVID-19. I did the other night. And, and I do have to say, and I hope more people hear this. Um, I just hope a lot of people hear this, but um, they're here with these people with these kind of tent make makeshift sort of tent areas. And I'm literally in a snowstorm in my car. So I'm doing okay. Cause, cause other than having to get there, which was difficult, I'm, I'm in this car and I'm warm. But these people are dressed like they've going to their, it's, you know, it's an Arctic expedition or something, which it basically was. And, and they're coming out just to check, you know, the documentation and those kinds of things. And several of them, at least, are volunteers. And, and it just was uh, very, it was actually kind of moving to see these people willing to do this in the middle of all, not to mention the fact that we're in the middle of a pandemic, which is why they're there. But, but there's also that. And yes, they, I know they've got the, the gear on and everything like that. Still, I couldn't thank them enough. It was um, it was truly a an amazing thing to experience, to go through. Um, and and I and I tried to thank them all, and I think they just wanted me to keep the car moving as fast as I could to get out of there. Yeah. But but it was um, it was truly an amazing situation, and I, I appreciate every every single one of those people out there wherever they are. And I think now in, in a lot of the southern United States, at least. We're going through an, an, an abnormal, I guess, uh, cold spell that is creating a lot of issues. And in some cases, they've had to cancel things. But in others, I know there's, out, there's people out there in, in, in incredible situations doing a lot of really good work right now. So anyway, if you're one of those people or know one of those people, please thank them for us because um, I think it's an astoundingly generous thing to do. Yeah, yeah I, I think that can't be said enough. I'm glad you, I'm glad you, you said that. And on that note, um, I, I just am glad that we were able to uh, remotely get together at least a little bit because um, this is this has been fun and I and I think a little educational. Dean, as always, thank you for your insights and um, your outsights and um, and and everything else in between. And my lack of sight too. Let's be <laughs> humble. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. And um, we will uh, we will be back again as soon as we possibly can with everyone. And I and I do once again just want to say we apologize for the quality of the audio on this one. We like to think that our audio is really very nice on this. But uh, this is the first time I think we've really had to compromise. And I think that's pretty good in this, this day and time. I think we got through it OK. Yeah, not, bad. <laughs> not, not too bad. As before, I'm still Tom Peterson. And I'm Dean Foster. And oops, oops, your culture, your culture show. show and smell ya. Okay, listen, the way to get hold of us is oops, culture show at gmail.com. And our Twitter handle is Oops Culture Show. Whether this is the first episode or the third episode or whatever episode that you've listened to, you should really subscribe. That's the best way to go, really. Honestly, I know what I'm talking about. All right, so just subscribe through iTunes or through wherever you get your podcasts from. Subscribe. Thank you.